0: Be really picky about who your partner would get for your care, because trust me, even if you think you're somebody that there is no solution for you or you have questions and they're going unanswered, there is an answer for them. You're just in the safe place that you need to be in. And number three, don't do this alone. Do it in community. It's one of the things that I highly recommend for all of my patients that you do this in community because being together really, really empowers you through whatever you're going through. You wanna disrupt the myths and redefine the narrative of what it means to thrive in midlife? Then you're in the right place. Welcome to Midlife Revival, the podcast that's all about celebrating the power and resilience of you in midlife. I'm your host, Dr. Taniqua Miller, board-certified ob with expertise in menopausal care and life coach for your midlife journey. My mission is simple, to walk with you through the highs, the lows, and the in-betweens of your midlife journey. We will navigate the changes, embrace the challenges, and discover what it means to have infinite possibilities. Get ready for candid conversations, expert insights, and a whole lot of fierce determination. This is Midlife Revival, the podcast that's here to disrupt stereotypes, elevate your midlife game, and celebrate the journey like never before. So sit back, pour up some tea, because we're about to unapologetically flip the script on what it means to thrive in midlife. Hey, 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 it's Dr. Taniqua, and welcome to Midlife Revival, the podcast. This podcast is such an inspiration for me. It is definitely a labor of love, and I am so excited that I get to be here with you, and you're tuning in. That's amazing. <laughs> so a little bit about me. I am an ob by training, and very early in my career, I loved caring for people in the midlife transition, namely menopause. And I remember seeing and meeting a patient that literally was failed by our healthcare system. Now, let me tell you her story a little bit, because I think it's important to understand why something like midlife revival exists. So this particular patient, she had had a heart attack. Sounds pretty straightforward. As devastating as it was, she survived and was, quote unquote, doing well. And as part of the care that she was receiving from her care team, she was referred to me as her OBGYN to administer well care. And there was just something that was very different in the way that she was interacting with me, interacting with the staff. She frankly looked depressed and sad. And I wondered, Why was she feeling like this? And of course, me being nosy, and you'll get to know me over this course of this podcast that I am very nosy, I simply asked her, tell me, what's up? You look sad. You don't look like you want to be here. How can I help you in this moment? And she literally broke down. And it was as if it was the question that no one had been asking her. She said very easily that she was miserable Now, her family history was significant for a dad who had had a heart attack right at 50. And so she would be considered high risk. And so she was a little over her 50s and had her own heart attack. At the time, she was on hormone therapy. Now, many patients will consider hormone therapy as part of their journey through the menopausal transition, and that's totally fine. She was on hormone therapy and then had a heart attack and because she had a heart attack she was taking off of all of her options. So but here's the thing. This woman on her face was miserable. It was easy to pick up on it. There was no hiding it. Her face was pretty sour. <laughs> but no one, no one on her care team even asked her how she was doing. I was the first person to just inquire, how can I help you? Like how can I get you feeling better? And sometimes in medicine we silo our organ systems, right? We silo the heart from the brain, from the lungs, from the kidneys, when really we should be treating the entire person, the whole person. And so on that day, in that visit, when she revealed to me that because she was taking off of her hormone therapy, that she was having pretty debilitating symptoms, namely hot uh, hot flashes and night sweats, and that she just needed some relief. And there was an option for her. <laughs> in fact, there were options for her, but no one had asked her the right question. And so I simply offered some options. <laughs> and I remember thinking back in the recesses of my brain, what should I do for this person? And how could I help her? And honestly, it it led me to understand that my own education, even as an OBGYN trained physician, was pretty lacking as it relates to menopausal health care. So check this out. There was a study that was done a few years back, and they surveyed residents who were either in internal medicine, in family medicine, or they were OBGYNs. And they found that only 7% of these folks, so less than 10%, actually felt comfortable caring for people in the menopausal transition. Think about it. Your doctor that you're going to right now ill-equipped to care for you. It's not that they don't want to. It's not that they're being flippant. They don't know how. And so from this very early experience, I remembered a lecture that I had once upon a time, and I pulled that information from my brain so that I can try to help this person. And this little tidbit of information that I gave her and a treatment plan that we came up with together, I just crossed my fingers and hoped it (laughs) worked. (laughs) And so fast forward four weeks later and she comes back and she comes back bouncing in. I called it the lipstick sign and she literally is bouncing into the office face fully made and she looks incredible. And when she walks in, I'm like, how's it going? And she is ecstatic. She's like, listen, no one for this long listened to me. No one cared that I was so miserable. No one took the time to just ask me how I was doing. Everyone was so focused on my heart and not on the rest of me. Yet you asked a simple question. We've come up with a simple solution, but my life feels tons better. And so I'm telling you this story to let you know that there may be some of you out there that honestly, this is your experience with your physician. And I hate that it's that way, but it is the truth. And Because we are so ill-prepared in our training to be able to treat you, I wanted to just bring the story to the forefront so that you can feel seen and validated. But of course, as always, I always have some tips and tricks on how you can advocate for yourself during the menopausal transition when you're speaking with your doctor, okay? So first, I'm going to back up a little bit and tell you a little bit about what I did after that, (laughs) So obviously I felt really ill-equipped to handle even more complex cases, right? So this one was fairly easy for me because I knew that she had a heart attack and I knew that hormone therapy at that time wasn't really an option for her. And so that was easy. I had pulled some other tools out of my toolkit and it seemed to work, but I knew that that wasn't enough. I knew that I needed to do more. To be able to care for these patients with the quality of care that I hold for myself, that I would want my own mother to have. And so that got me curious. And I actually went to a conference, one of our big annual conferences, and they actually had a menopause 101 course. And so this menopause 101 course blew my mind. I was hooked. I realized that it wasn't just about hormones and hormone therapy, but really longevity. How do we get people moving through midlife in their menopausal transition and beyond? over to 20, 30, 40 years of life after the menopause and thriving. And it was really exciting to learn that. That's when I got exposed to what was at the time called the North American Menopause Society. It is now called the Menopause Society. And I learned that there was actually a certification program. The certification program is basically an examination, comprehensive of lots of content as it relates to midlife and the menopausal transition. So after going to a couple of conferences, learning so much about not just the hormone therapy pieces, but how to treat people who have suffered from cancer, such as breast cancer during the menopausal transition, how to talk to people about brain health and bone health and all of these other important aspects of health. And then I became certified. I took this examination, very comprehensive exam, and I became certified as a menopause practitioner. So I took the extra step, as almost 1,400-plus of my colleagues across the country have done, to be able to serve with high-quality people who are in the menopausal transition. I'm saying this all to say that you have options as it relates to your care. And it's not that your physician or your PA or your nurse practitioner is ignoring you. They really just may not know how to care for you because menopausal health care is not something that's widely available for study when you are in your training. But with that being said, that does not mean that you need to suffer through because somebody else did not get the training that you need. So... What are three tips that you can have as you navigate this space of midlife, menopausal transition and beyond? Number one, do your homework, educate yourself. I always recommend for my patients to visit menopause.org because there are patient handouts on the site that give you really good evidence-based education around menopause. I myself offer telemedicine for patients in Georgia and Texas. And so this is part of what we do. We go through physiologically what is happening to your body. We weren't talking about hot flushes at the Thanksgiving table, right? We weren't like, hey, Aunt Carol, can you pass the peas and tell me about your hot flashes? We weren't doing that. So we really are starting at a deficit in terms of education about what's happening to our body. And guess what? News flash. If you live long enough and you have ovaries and a uterus, you will go through menopause. So it is incumbent of us to do this. Now, I will tell you, me wearing my, as Roxanne Gay calls my bad feminist hat, it's almost as if when we reach midlife in the menopausal transition, it's as if we're walking over the cliff or going off to the elephant's graveyard, Right. What's so interesting is that when puberty hits, we have all of this comprehensive programming in schools. I remember being in fifth and sixth grade and they separating us and I got, you know, an always maxi pad (laughs) to go home with and the boys learned about wet dreams, right? And then pregnancy you are inundated with like apps and books and you get to see your see your provider I don't know maybe 12 times during a pregnancy but when it comes to menopause it's as if the conversation in the office just drops off in fact people are really afraid to talk about it because they just don't have the education and so I think tip number 1 is you seek out that education on your own Again, I recommend, I don't have a book that I recommend. There are lots of different books out there with lots of different tones, but I definitely think it worthwhile to pick up a book and read or check out that menopause.org website to get some really evidence-based, comprehensive education about what you can expect as part of your menopausal journey. So that's the first thing. Second thing is be picky. Be really picky. If you go to your doctors or nurse practitioners or your physician assistant's office and you bring up menopause and it gets ignored or you're told "You're too young for that," or that's not possible," or "You get tough it out," Run. <laughs> run. Be really picky about who you are partnering with in this menopausal journey. So what does that look like? That might mean that somebody who delivered all your babies right? They're just not a good fit for this transition in your life. It was one of the reasons why I started my menopausal telemedicine consultation practice, because you do have those long-standing relationships with your gynecologist or maybe your internal medicine doctor. I have a lot of patients who say, oh my gosh, my doctor delivered all of my kids, but then now in this phase of my life, she or he really can't help me. And that's okay. You can still do that, but you can then have the comprehensive care with a consultant who helps you through your journey. So I want you to be really picky in showing up for you as you're thinking about this transition and what you can expect from either treatment options or what it means for bone health or what it means for brain health, taking you and your own specific parameters into account. When I say be picky, what I'm saying is if your doctor doesn't respond to you, then go find another doctor. I'm going to keep it real, real, real. (laughs) So if you go and you know that pit of your stomach, you know that gut feeling when you show up, maybe you're experiencing so many different issues and you feel like somebody's blowing you off or they just generally are running out of time, right? unfortunately, doctor's visits are very short. And so you don't really have a lot of time to really explore what it may be that you're going through. Well, I want you to be picky and move on. Yes, that is what I said. I want you to feel empowered to know I'm not being served here. And so if I'm not being served here, let me go and find somebody else who will do that. And so I really want you to think about that because sometimes we especially in midlife, especially many of us identifying as women, we've been conditioned to people please, right? And so your doctor may not address your concerns and you have been conditioned to accept that. And what I'm telling you as a physician myself is, nope, don't accept that. Be really picky and go somewhere else. Again, menopause.org is a great resource for you because you can put in your zip code and search for a practitioner, someone similar to me who has gone through that certification and then has to maintain that certification over the course of time. So I'm not done. I didn't take a test. And then I was like, yeah, I'm certified. Every three years, I have to prove that I'm staying up to date with what's current in the field of menopausal medicine. So that is what I would suggest to you. And then number three, this is the big one. Big, 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 big. Do not do this alone. I am pretty sure that you have a whole crew, a whole squad who may be around your age and they're going through this too. And I remember just looking at this post recently about someone bringing up menopause in the workplace and how so many people were shaming her. And sadly, so many women were shaming her and it was about menopause in the workplace. And I will say this, there have been studies And you can email me and I will send you the link for the studies that I have looked at when you are in community and you're sharing what you're going through with other people who are also going through it, your experience of your symptoms lessens. It becomes less intense. You feel more empowered because you know that you're not going it alone we are really good for saying hey you want to go to brunch or hey do you want to like go out for drinks i would set up an evening where you have your friends come together and pick a topic talk about this maybe it's a menopause themed book about sexual health that y'all want to read and you want to talk about i think that that could be so empowering and then you won't feel so alone because unfortunately despite Over half of the population going through the menopausal transition at some point. And trust me, if you have ovaries and a uterus, you will. (laughs) You cannot escape it. It is coming. That we go through it so much on our own and we really don't have a lot of education. And we think of it as something that is very like singular. What's interesting is because you look at programs around pregnancy, for example. There are actually pregnancy programming called Centering where it's bringing together pregnant people in a group to talk about where they are in their stage of pregnancy and they do it as a community. And there's tons of literature that supports that, that these patients do better and they feel more empowered. And yet (laughs) we keep it secret when we're going through menopause, even though over half of the population will in fact go through it. So that is my my new call to action for you, that you educate yourselves, number one. Number two, be really picky about who your partner would get for your care. Because trust me, even if you think you're somebody that there is no solution for you or you have questions and they're going unanswered, there is an answer for them. You're just in the safe place that you need to be in. And number three, don't do this alone. Do it in community. It's one of the things that I highly recommend for all of my patients that you do this in community because being together really, really empowers you through whatever you're going through. So I'm so jazzed that you have joined me for this episode and I am so excited for you to be here for the next one. I also want to know, what do you want to know about? What do you want to talk about? I have lots of content that's coming up in the next few weeks, but I want to know, what do you want to talk about? What do you want to get into that nitty gritty? All right, y'all. Hope everybody is doing amazing today and I'll catch you for the next one. Thank you for tuning in to Midlife Revival, the podcast that celebrates the beautiful midlife journey that is you. I'm your host, Dr. Tuniqua. If you enjoyed this podcast episode, go ahead and hit subscribe and give us a little bit of those five stars that we love so much. And share this episode with a friend you know who needs to hear this message because sharing is caring. Catch you for the next one.